This is a diet of Brussels. Um, what's happened this week? Uh, I remember that I've already used my sweary title, but I probably should have saved it for this week or maybe the coming weeks because it's been one of the most uh, bizarre kind of phases in this process. We've had a whole series of votes, and we talked about that in last week's episode. And they went, in the broadest of terms, the way that the government had uh, intended them to. So on Tuesday, uh, well, not actually its intention, uh, the vote on Tuesday and the meaningful vote was lost, uh, which led to Wednesday's vote on uh, not wanting to leave uh, without a deal. And that in turn led to Thursday's vote, which was uh, about requesting an extension. And yet in doing uh, those steps, uh, the government has again, and so has Parliament, really underlined the problems that it faces, the uncertainty about what to do from all of this. So as we had talked about last week, we end up now, this Friday, with no stronger sense of where this actually leads to and how this might be resolved. So let's just try and think a little bit about the things that we hadn't really expected and then about what comes next. Um, the Meaningful Vote 2 on Tuesday was fairly conventional. Uh, the size of the loss was smaller than uh, before. We were down to a, a majority of 149. But that still is at the top end of what Theresa May could survive. If it had been very much more than that, uh, it would have been really hard to argue that there was any life in the uh, the deal and the package as it stands. <clears throat> now, uh, what that meant was that we ended up uh, with uh, a degree of uncertainty already going into uh, Wednesday's uh, votes. Now, Wednesday's vote was supposed to be the, the simple one about the no-to-no deal. But then the government got very caught up on whether it was uh, whipping uh, on its uh, motion, uh, on the amendments that were there. And partly that was because of the wording of uh, the amendment, which said that uh, the UK shouldn't leave without a deal, but that no deal was still on the table. And in purely uh, legalistic terms that is true the difficulty got worse when you had then an amendment uh, passed that was uh, removing the second part of the motion uh, and then the government decided that it should be voting against uh, its own motion uh, as amended uh, which it then promptly lost now really that's I think is the the key uh, part of uh, Wednesday's vote. It, it doesn't change uh, the presence or the absence of uh, no deal because that is the default and that's not in the UK's uh, gift to, to unilaterally uh, take off the table. But what does matter is that uh, the confusion and to a certain degree the collapse of uh, the government whip Wednesday, which we also saw a bit uh, last night uh, on the extension vote, really points to the waning uh, authority of number 10 
uh, in the process. And in terms of the many more votes that are still to come, uh, whatever way we go, can the government actually rely on its MPs and even its cabinets to uh, actually uh, vote uh, the way that one might wish? So to give you an idea of the scale of the, the issue, you have a, a government whip uh, voting against uh, what was supposedly the policy that they're supposed to be doing. All of which takes you then into Thursday and the discussion about an extension. Uh, and again, this is something which in some quarters has been portrayed as there will be an extension. This is about uh, requiring the government to ask for an extension. Again here, some slightly... Uh, I think I see some more uh, cunning wording from the government uh, in this particular motion. So, uh, on the back of Tuesday's defeat, uh, the government said that there would be a third vote, a meaningful vote three, uh, next week uh, on Tuesday. And if uh, MPs backed that uh, third vote, then the government would go and ask for an extension until the end of June. Uh, but if it rejected it, then it would go and ask the EU for an extension for a much longer period. Now, the logic of this is quite clear. We are so close now, we're two weeks away from the 29th of March, that there isn't time for the UK to get its uh, affairs in order for uh, uh, implementing the withdrawal agreement, if that's uh, the way that it uh, wishes to go. There's still the uh, withdrawal implementation bill that needs to get through a, a fairly hostile or a very hostile parliament. Uh, there are a number of other things that need to happen too. So even in the best case scenario of accepting the withdrawal agreement, the government will need some more time, parliament will need some more time, and going to the end of June takes you to just before the start of the new European Parliament, which means that uh, you could potentially avoid having European elections. We'll come back to that point in a minute. However, if you don't accept it, then the government needs to go away and rethink its plans in a more fundamental kind of way, hence you ask for longer. Now, part of the calculation in this was that uh, you would help to create an incentive for MPs to vote for the withdrawal agreement, that the appetite for long extensions is not very strong at all, actually any extension, uh, particularly at the harder end of the spectrum. And so you're, you're opening up the, the peril that if you don't bite the bullet now, go with the government, you risk drawing this out for a very long time. Now, in the end, that was uh, a successful uh, proposition. We saw some amendments about a second referendum, uh, which weren't uh, supported by the House, not least because actually the, the people who had advanced them uh, and their general uh, group uh, let it be known through Tuesday that this wasn't really the time to be voting on this and so uh, they didn't really fight the case very hard, um, largely because they knew that they would lose uh, this time round and it was better to wait for a more opportune moment. However, at the end of this, all, we're still in the same position that we are. We will now have to wait for Tuesday's uh, Meaningful Vote 3, 
which uh, needs to come to uh, some kind of conclusion if Theresa May is to have anything to go to the European Council with. Now, timelines now become really problematic. Uh, already we know that the government won't be going to ask for an extension at this stage because it's going to wait for meaningful vote through. But we also know that today was pretty much the deadline for the European Council to be able to do its necessary consultations in order to make a decision uh, next Thursday when it meets to discuss this. <clears throat> there hasn't really been a discussion in uh, the 27 about extending. I Just kind of half thoughts, but nothing substantive, nothing substantial which means that actually you need to have quite a lot of work. In some cases, some leaders have to go to parliaments to get uh, uh, their uh, view heard on all of this. So basically, we're going to end up with a situation where it may be only on Tuesday or, let's say, Wednesday morning that the government asks for an, ex an extension. Um, and the European Council meeting the next day simply won't be in a position to make a decision. Uh, now, either that means dragging it back uh, the week after, so that week of Brexit, uh, to make uh, another decision, or I guess potentially you could imagine some kind of written procedure if everyone agrees to do that, because actually uh, it's a fairly uh, simple kind of discussion. It's it's not something, you know, the, the arguments can be rehearsed in... in uh, written form rather than in verbal form. Now, all of that leaves the UK very, very precariously placed that we then end up with a situation with just some days uh, notice about whether the, the UK uh, leaves without a deal or not, which is an uncomfortable position for everyone involved. One of the challenges is going to be that the EU might well come back and say you can only have this kind of extension and then the UK has to make a decision about whether that's uh, acceptable to it. Now, I think it's unlikely that uh, the EU would say uh, here are some conditions, you know, you can have an extension if you go and have an election or do a referendum because that just simply wouldn't be... Uh, helpful to the debates and would just uh, rightly be an ac see accusations that this was uh, interference in the UK's affairs and trying to uh, fix the result. However, the EU has been very clear that there needs to be a reason for an extension and we've discussed this uh, in previous episodes and I, I don't need to go over that again. But that line has become much more forceful during this week uh, again, a real concern about uh, time for no purpose, uh, more of the confusion and the distraction of uh, Brexit against a very charged agenda. One thing that has changed, though, is that extension past the 23rd of May, the date of the European elections, now you're getting a very much stronger line from the 27th saying that there have to be European elections in the UK. So even that resolution passed, that motion passed uh, last night by Parliament about the shorter extension to the end of June, even though technically that still is in the current uh, formation of the Parliament, uh, you will see a lot of discussion and debate about whether that is 
are compatible with not holding uh, elections uh, because if nothing else a failure to hold elections uh, on the 23rd of May, May will mean that it will be very much harder to ask for another extension uh, should one be needed which is entirely feasible uh, and uh, foreseeable. Now, partly for that there's going to be a question I think also uh, and maybe that's something that will come through from uh, the European discussions is whether they are willing, keen to uh, do a series of extensions or whether they would prefer to do one big extension and just let the UK get on with it. I, I think probably at the moment the, the impression is that one longer extension probably makes more sense uh, because they don't want to keep on going back to this issue and doing the haggling and the the pleading uh, and all the rest. Uh, so I think you may well find that there is an offer of uh, one longer extension, maybe to the end of this year, maybe a bit beyond that, in which the UK has enough time to realistically uh, sort out uh, all the problems that it faces. So here we are once again then on a, a Friday uh, in March without really any sense of what's coming next. Uh, the key thing next week is going to be clearly the uh, Meaningful Vote 3 on Tuesday. Whether Geoffrey Cox can come up with anything more in the way of legal opinions to help move uh, the debate on, bring over the DUP or the ERG, I think that remains highly debatable. Lots of talk in the last couple of days that he uh, has forgot to mention the Vienna Convention on the law of treaties, uh, which I know we're always doing, uh, but there's nothing in that convention that actually changes anything materially. There's Article 62, which uh, provides for unilateral exit from treaties in the case of uh, a major change in circumstance. Uh, that has always been there. Uh, that is clearly uh, a right that all states uh, can invoke, but it is also are not uh, accepted lightly by other states for the simple reason that they don't want to get into uh, a situation where states can easily walk away from commitments. So, as has been pointed out, even uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union, the collapse of communism, was not enough of a change of circumstances in a case back in the early 90s between uh, Hungary and uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, which uh, basically didn't uh, reach any kind of sensible conclusion uh, uh, and uh, was uh, really an example of how uh, the bar is set very high on that. And again, one of the problems of Article 62 is that it requires unforeseen circumstances. Uh, so given that the kinds of circumstances that are arguable in the case of a, a a permanent backstop are foreseen and discussed now, it will be very hard indeed for the UK to make a case uh, that would stand up uh, in uh, public international law. So let's assume that the legal advice doesn't move or doesn't move far. Let's also assume, because they're not going to, that the EU is not going to give anything more. It has given a very clear uh, signals that it is not changing the withdrawal agreement. It has now clarified the provisions on that. 
it's not going to clarify the clarifications it uh, is more than happy to discuss the the political declaration which has been untouched but it's also uh, ev evident that uh, for Tory backbenchers and for the DUP uh, it's got to be something legally binding and the political declaration is not that document so the legal situation isn't going to change the political situation is moving on uh, so is there something else that can be done to help try and win over more uh, rebels at the moment still i think you have to assume that meaningful vote three will go the same way as one and two but again same tendency uh, probably a diminishing majority against uh, at that point, we are into extension request territory, and I really don't know how that plays out. I think there's too much uncertainty on the EU side. Probably they will grant an extension just because they will not want to be uh, blamed for uh, causing uh, uh, a no deal. But uh, that will probably be it. There will probably be one shot an extension so a lot will come down to government policy and again we come back to that uh, vote on Wednesday the collapse of the whip to a considerable extent is not an easily reversible situation uh, a lot can happen this weekend and at the beginning of this uh, next week uh, to make it much harder for Theresa May than it already is so Huge amounts to look out for, huge amounts to try and make sense of, and we will talk again when we have something else to see. Maybe after Meaningful Vote 3, if that throws up any big surprises, uh, but probably after the uh, European Council itself. Have a great weekend, get some rest, because you're going to need it. <laughs>